Welcome to Between the Bullet Points, a podcast series that celebrates the journey and lessons about vocations and career paths. My name is Sean McDonald, and I'm your host for what I know will be interesting and insightful experiences from a variety of professionals across an entire spectrum of occupations. When we look for a new job, it's standard that we submit a resume, which contain bullet points with job titles, responsibilities, education, and other information. However, we rarely share the thoughts and stories that occur between the bullet points, and those can be some of the most significant parts of a person's career. This project seeks to inquire more about a person's professional journey that is not always evident from their resume. The career stories that guests will share are unique, interesting, and seldom told. I believe that each of our stories should be shared, as they can be inspirational and lessons for other people to start or influence their career paths and decisions. we go. We're going to go in five, four, three. I'm excited to interview Mr. Phil Timpson today, who is an accomplished professional with a variety of experience in manufacturing. I met Phil through social media and over a short period of time, I learned that Phil was a graduate of the vocational and technical school district where I work. Uh, And he has applied his career in technical education into related occupations and simultaneously developed his personal interests and passions to develop a pretty significant bag of experience, both professionally and personally. I'm anxious to take this audience on a reflection so far of Phil's journey. So, Phil, to begin, let me formally welcome you to the podcast. Thank you for being a guest and sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So, Phil, you know, the purpose of this podcast is to discuss the choices of your career path, and hear about the opportunities that you've had, ones that you chose, and maybe some of the ones that you didn't choose. Along the way, we'll highlight the how and why of your story and how that has developed due to your acquiring knowledge, developing interest, gaining experience, making connections, and sometimes our pathways are influenced by pure chance uh, and circumstance, really. In other words, we really want to know what's happened between the bullet points. So tell us a little bit right now about your current occupation and help our audience understand what it is that, that, that you do. So my current occupation is I'm an applications engineer for a global machine tool manufacturer. We make uh, metalworking equipment that's all CNC, computer controlled. Um, my job role in my company is to go out to customers post-sale and train them on setup, programming, and operation help them through some of their more difficult uh, projects that they may have coming up. I do a lot of work with uh, orthopedic, aerospace, uh, defense, communications, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of manufacturing in those facets are very complex, especially uh, medical and aerospace. It's a lot of uh, complex geometries and, and with orthopedics, it's a lot of organic geometries that they may or may not have the technical know-how to produce, and I assist them with the production of their product. It's, it's incredibly interesting. I was fortunate enough to come up on a little field trip with a couple of our teachers one day and see you in action, kind of like in, in your own element in the, the company that you work for. Uh, with a variety of machines all around you. And, and I've been out to manufacturers in, in a variety of settings. 
uh, and I've seen some of these things kind of in work, but you know, you, you had me in awe that day um, because of the, the level of your knowledge of the manufacturing process about what each machine does, the intricacies of what those machines actually do, the speed of what they do. Uh, and, I, and I can imagine, because I've seen some of these things on, on some various scales, uh, that you're out and about, you're in the real world, you're showing small and large manufacturers in a variety of situations in a ton of different applications. Uh, so what really has me there is understanding your level of, of comprehension, of understanding of the technical world and what this does. And obviously some, in the, some things in the modern day are kind of simplified down to, to certain programming in a way where it's more than an operator, less than an engineer, where you're kind of training people to operate the machines. But what really is going on on your level is much, much deeper than that. And it has taken a lot of time to acquire that knowledge and skills. So uh, that that's very, very interesting to me. So let's let, let's take this time to kind of like go back in history and and understand what, what Phil Timpson is made of here. So I know you grew up in a local area to here, and you uh, eventually found yourself coming to the technical high school. So the transition from middle school to high school was that that's one part. That was probably the very beginning of your journey there, uh, at least, you know, if not, you were, I, I imagine you were the kid tinkering around with, with various things. Maybe you had some influences around you to, to help you with some stuff. But tell me about Phil Timpson growing up, what your thoughts were, what your, your, maybe the idea of your future was going to be, how and why you even came to the technical high school. Okay. So uh, as you said, when I was younger, I used to find myself tinkering around with things. My father uh, is, my father's got a very long running background in auto mechanics and auto collision repair. Um, he had a, he had an auto body shop for 10 years and prior to that, he, when we lived uh, right up the road here in East Brunswick, he used to work on cars in the garage, and he'd have them scattered out all over the all over the driveway. And I'd be out there and just kind of peek around, see what he was doing. You see him covered all in grease and whatever. And and I never liked to get my hands dirty. And he used to try to drag me to the junkyard and smear grease on my brand new shoes <laughs> and all this stuff to try to break me of it. And to this day, I still don't like to get my hands dirty, so to speak. <laughs> I will, but I just don't care for it. Um, but, uh, so when I was 11 or 12, I started tinkering around with my bicycle chain would pop off and I learned how to adjust the chain tension with the, the back wheel and then the, uh, the axle and try to adjust the spokes that the wheel would run true again. And, um, then I got my first, I got my first, uh, four wheeler and it was this little Suzuki four wheeler that needed a piston and ring job so I got all the parts for it and I looked at it and I said well I, I know I know a little bit about wrenches and ratchets and stuff like that so here I am 11 12 years old pulling apart the top end of this little engine and I got some help you know there, there were uh, there was a guy that worked for my father that helped me out put the you know, seat the rings into the cylinder things like that but uh, that was kind of one of my first dives into the uh, the whole DIY thing. Um, fast forward after that, I traded that four wheeler for another dirt bike that had a bad engine. It needed a new engine, and it came with the spare engine. So I took the old engine off. I put the new engine in. Got everything all tightened. Reconnected all the 
you know, the uh, the ignition and set the points and all this stuff on it and got it working. And I rode that around for a number of years. And then, um, then came around time to figure out what I was going to do with the first day of the rest of my life. And I didn't know because I did not have college in mind at that point. I had said to, I, I had said even 12, 13 years old, I said, I don't like school enough to want to venture into college. I want to get out of high school and I want to just be done with it. So what I wound up doing was I was talking to a friend of mine that lived across the street from my grandparents' house at the time. And I didn't even know that this school existed. I said, uh, what, you know, where, where are you going for high school? And he goes, I'm going to East Brunswick Votech. I said, what the heck is that? <laughs> He goes, well, I'm going to be an auto mechanic. I'm going to go to East Brunswick Votech. I'm going to learn how to work on cars, and I'm going to be an auto mechanic. And I said, go on. Tell me more. You know? So he gives me the whole rundown about it to find out that this place has been here all my life. I didn't even know. It was a quarter-mile shot right down the, the side street that I lived on. So I came to my first open house I believe it was the fall or the, the summer of fall, right before I started eighth grade. And I went through the little tour of all the different shops. I saw the mechanic shop. I saw the auto body shop. I saw welding. I saw machine shop. I walked into machine shop, machine tool technology, and I just stood there in awe and just looked around and said, I don't know what any of this big stuff does, but I want to find out. Mm-hmm. And throughout the entire eighth, throughout my entire eighth grade year, I uh, I was telling people I said I cannot wait to go to this school and see what this stuff can do because it was just so cool looking. You guys have to see it. <laughs> and and a couple of a couple of the the kids in my class they said, oh, you're going to Votech. That's a, that's a school for losers. You don't want to go to that school. And I said, I don't, I don't. I don't believe that. I don't think that that's really the case. It's not, it's not the school that makes the loser. It's the person. And I set foot into that machine shop. I went through the, the six different uh, class cycles that they put us through. I went to auto body, auto mechanics. I went to welding. I went to uh, air conditioning, machine shop, and electronics. And the only one that kept sticking in my head was I want to go back to that machine shop. I want to play with those big machines. Yep. Because welding get your hands dirty. Auto mechanics, get your hands dirty. <laughs> Auto body, the teacher didn't like me because I knew more than he did at that point because I was working at my father's shop yeah. when I was 11 years old. So he was teaching stuff and I was putting my hand up going, that's not the right way to do it. You would do it like this. That, that's, that's, the, that's the long way. Why are you going the long way? <laughs> so he goes, who the heck do you think you are? And I said, well, my father owns. He goes, oh, I heard about you. <laughs> <laughs> Your reputation uh, preceded you. Oh, it really point. did. Yes. It really did. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, now the um, career in technical education, as is now really called and what it's known, the name change, the vocational technical education, obviously, has stuck around for a long time. Uh, we've, we, we are often and have been referred to as the best kept secret. Uh, that a lot of people didn't really know of us or when they get here, they go, wow, I had no idea like you could do all this stuff. And and now it's even more so. I mean, back in the day that that I went, which was previous to you, uh, and I went uh, you know, Somerset County Vocational for auto mechanics, and, and that was good. But again, it was still the other kids in, in my comprehensive high school 
that I came back to in the afternoon and like, oh, where were you in the morning? And I'm like, oh, I was over at the Votech, you know, like, really? Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, I was getting my hands dirty. And speaking of which, you know, there's a lot of occupations you could do. I've, I've met some of the best mechanics that never got their hands dirty. And, and it's just, it's an amazing thing to see. But I was always one of those mechanics who ended up with uh, lots and lots of grease on my clothes and, and whatnot. So interesting. So good. You you made the decision to go to a technical high school right here in East Brunswick. You got into the machine tool technology program, and that lasted for four years through high school, and you, you, you did that. So throughout that entire time, uh, not only were you learning in the machine shop, but but now you're... You're also getting a little bit older. You're working on some more stuff. Maybe you're starting to work part-time, some things like that. What's what's that experience look like? So what happened was um, after freshman, sophomore year, getting into junior year, they um, I, I then found out about the, the co-op system with Mr. Zahor. And I said, wait, they're actually sending people out to work instead of coming here and they get paid to do what they're doing in here. And he's like, yeah. I said, wait, I want to do that. So throughout all of my, what was it, all of my junior year, every time I would see John Zahar, I'd go, <laughs> Mr. Zahar, get me a job. And he's like, he would just blow me off. I said, Mr. Zahar, get me a job. Every single time I saw him, get me a job, get me a job. He goes, why do you keep wanting to get a job? I said, because I want to get paid to do this. Give me a job. And he um he was like, I can't. I can't just get you a job. I, you have to work your way. You have to get the experience. I said, I am be- I've been best in shop two years in a row. Get me a job. Because I for, for the first two years of the, uh, the curriculum, I was best in shop freshman mm-hmm. and sophomore year. The, uh, yeah, and um, my teacher at the time, uh, Michael McDonald, he had told me that the only reason why I didn't get it uh, junior year, the third year, was because he didn't want to show favorites. So he's like, I had to give it to somebody else. He pulled me off to the side. So I had to give it to somebody else. It just wasn't fair. <laughs> but he he had said to me, he goes, you know, he goes, you're so you're so good at this point that I wouldn't be surprised if one day you took my job. Mm-hmm. He's like, you you should actually be doing what I'm doing. He's like, you are that good already. Mm. And finally, finally, I got Mr. Zahar to say, okay, you've bothered me enough. I'm gonna make you a deal. You sign up for the VICA program. If you compete in the state competition and win, I'll get you a job. I signed up for VICA. I entered the competition, and I won by a landslide. (laughs) I happened to uh, be the last person in the shop after the competition was done. And being the nosy person that I am, because I, I just love to, I love to to dive into the the back end of things. You know, the 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 backside of everything intrigues me. How every how things come together, how they're made, how they're built, what makes them tick. And even 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 with uh, as a not to venture off too far, but if you go to Las Vegas. And you see the glamour and the glitch, you see the lights, you see this, you see that. I don't care about any of that. I want to I want to talk to the guy that's running the control board that handles the lights, the music, right. all of that. I want to get the the backside experience. Even as a even as a performing artist, uh, you know, playing on stage with my bands. In the back of my head, I want to be the guy running the soundboard. 
And there's been times where I'll be mid-show, I've got my tablet in my hand, and I'm making adjustments to the sound on stage mm. during some kind of, you know, during a part where I'm not part of the performance. Right. I'm just making adjustments to levels because I'm the guy running the sound because the guy that the guy that was, you know, the, the, the place we were playing doesn't have a sound guy and they just have this little lunchbox mixer, but I happen to have my in-ear monitor set up that is a professional mixing board right. you know, as, a, as a side job. So I can just plug into the mains of their, their, uh, their, their house stuff and I can control everything that's going on. And that's what I like to do. That, that's, what I, that's, that's my whole thing. So getting back to it, uh, Mr. Zahar said, okay, you, you win and I'll get you a job. So I, get the, I, I win. And I didn't know that I won at that point, but I happened to walk over and I was talking to the judges. And I'm like, so, uh, so how, how, how does everything look, guys? He's like, we can't tell you. I'm like, oh, come on, you got to let me know a little bit. <laughs> and I happened to glance over and I saw the scorecard and my score was like way, way, way above everybody else's. Mm. So I'm like, I got this. I know I got this. So I go, I go home and I'm like, I, I was telling my parents, I said, I don't know if I won officially, but I could tell you that it, is, it really looks good. So <laughs> they come, uh, they, they come back with the, they make the announcement that I took first place. I walk into Mr. Zahar's office with my little, my little uh, piece of paper that said I won. I put it on his desk. He said, get me a job. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he had a he had a graduate student from, oh boy, I think he, he graduated probably in the 80s who had a, uh, he's got, he's still, to this day, he still has a little uh, little machine shop making uh, molds and patterns for the, uh, well, he was making molds and patterns for uh, like the perfume industry. Mm -hmm. So if you go to Macy's and you see the display boxes of perfumes and they're inside that little clamshell package right. we were making those for uh, for Lancome Paris mm. so it was it's only a mile and a half from here it's almost walking distance so he got me a job working there in the little mold and pattern shop at very at the very tail end of my junior year so two-thirds of the way through you know come April May I've already got a job and what are you doing there though what are you physically doing I was day? in that in that place I was uh basically prepping all of the molds that would come in from casting for their uh, for thermoform. So mm -hmm. what it is is uh, thermoform is a vacuum process where a piece of heated plastic comes over top of the mold and then the vacuum sucks the plastic onto the uh, the mold and it forms it into the shape. So anybody Anybody who wrestles with the clear plastic packaging of anything that you buy these days, yeah, I'm sorry, I've made those. <laughs> Um, so from there, um, and, and there I was, I was polishing the molds cause they have to okay. be almost mirror, mirror quality in right. order for the, for the plastic to release. Right. So I was polishing them. And then on the backside, I would have to mill all of the air channels for the vacuum to go through and then, uh, drill all of the little holes in the corners of all the, the shapes for the vacuum to actually pull the material into. Right. So it was, it was an interesting job. And then, uh, after that. I uh, I broke away from there after a year and a half, right after graduation, got my license, and I said, you know what, it's time to time to venture off and and try to get into new things. And okay, so that's good. So at this point, um, and maybe just regressing a little bit, you know, senior year in high school, 
you're graduating, you've got this job, you're in manufacturing already. In your head right now, I mean, where do you if if you were to you know tap Phil Simpson, <laughs> Timson, I'm sorry, <laughs> call me home. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Don't don't. Anyway, um, if you were to tap your younger self back then on the shoulder and say, what are you thinking? Where are you going to be 10, 15, 20 years from now? Uh, were you thinking, I'm staying in this manufacturing field, I'm going on, I'm doing other things, or do you have other thoughts and ideas in mind? Well, growing up, I started playing guitar when I was 11. I actually, I got grounded and I couldn't play video games. So uh, the only thing that I had to fall back on was a small acoustic guitar that it was given to me when I was like nine. I just kind of left it in the corner, didn't do anything with it, and then I couldn't do anything else. So my my cousin uh, was at the house and he goes, well, you got that little guitar. Why don't you put some strings on and learn how to play? Because you can't watch TV, you can't do it. Because I was grounded, I couldn't do anything. And um, so I put I put strings on the guitar and I happened to have an old book of Mel Bay guitar chords and stuff like that. So I started learning all the chords and whatnot. And so from that point, I said, I want to be famous. That's my goal. I want to, I want to be, I want to be famous. I want to be one of them rich and famous rock star people. And, um, that, that hasn't quite panned out the way I I wanted it to, but. Well, not yet anyway. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. I still, I still got a little bit of time, but, um, so when I got, after I left that, place and went to my first real production shop I uh the the first couple of days I I thought that I made a a huge mistake they were paying me a lot more but it was just real awful just terrible working conditions I said you know what if this is what a real machine shop is Mm -hmm. boy did I make a mistake so I wanted to try and I wanted to try getting out of it. I tried to get out of it for a while. I, I took a job uh, in a warehouse slinging frozen spare ribs, and I said, yes, this isn't for me either. Uh, I tried to go I tried to go to a, not really a trade school, but I don't want to give out names, but um, I tried to go to a form of higher education that wasn't quite a college, but wasn't quite a trade school. I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to take computer programming. And the same thing happened. I'm sitting there in class. I'm like, I'm, I'm falling asleep because it was just boring me to death. I was like, I have to do something else. This is not, this isn't what I signed up for. I wanted to learn how to program C language and, and Visual Basic and things like that. They're giving me an introduction to Microsoft Office. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can type up a Word document. I know how to select fonts and put formulas into Excel sheets. I know this already. Why are you doing this to me? Don't, you know, why have you forsaken me in such a way? <laughs> <laughs> so I I quickly got out of that. And I actually happened to uh I actually happened to come here. My actual teacher, Mr. McDonald, had passed away. So there was another teacher, uh, Mr. Martin. He was sitting in class and nobody was around and I popped in for a visit and I was talking to him and I said I said, Mr. Martin, I'm not happy where I'm at. I think I really made a mistake of what, you know, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I want to do. And he goes, uh, well, have you tried other places? I said, I, I said, I've interviewed around and a lot of people, they want, you know, more experience with people that have, they've got more experience in, in the CNC stuff. And at that point, I haven't really gotten into it yet. And he goes, I'll tell you what, there was uh, one of my other students had a job at this place. He didn't work out, but from what I hear, he's got a lot of pretty new equipment, nice shop, gives me his phone number, give this guy a call. Okay. Call the guy up. I leave a message. Hi, my name's Phil. I got your number, blah, blah, blah. 
20 minutes later, phone rings. It's the owner of this company. He says to me, uh, well, why aren't you here yet? I go, what do you mean? He goes, you called me. Why aren't you here yet? You should be here by now. He go, I go, uh, okay. He's like, just, just get over here as soon as you can. I said, all right. So I, <laughs> now I'm, I said, oh boy, now I have a job interview. Now I have to get ready and dressed. Whatever. I hop in the shower. I get all dressed up. I'm going to walk out the door. I slam my elbow into the doorway. Now my elbow's all swollen. I could barely move my arm. I go to shake this guy's hand and I'm like, I, I, I'm really sorry, but I, I would shake your hand, but my elbow's all swollen. <laughs> I, I kind of whacked it on the doorway on my way out. And I took a job there and I was there for four and a half years. And I would say that that laid the majority of the fundamental groundwork on top of my vocational education mm-hmm. that really set me in the direction of where I'm at now. We had a lot of high-level equipment. At, at the time, there was one guy before me that knew how to run some of the stuff, but he couldn't run all of it. He had quit between, because I started there about a week after I turned 19, and he left when I was 20, so not long after, about, about a year after I started there. After he left, I was the only person in the place that knew how to set up program and get these machines up and going. And every time I would get pointed in the direction of one of the pieces of equipment, it was uh, it was basically, here's the machine, figure out how to do it, we have this deadline, make it work. And I would have to pick apart every little, every little aspect of the machine, figure out exactly how to get it to work, because we had automation systems on the machines. We had uh, gantry robots that would load material in, take material out, and he's like, I want this thing to work, and it has to work the way it's supposed to. That was that was really it, you know, get thrown into the fire and, and kind of crawl your way out. The first couple of weeks I was at the place, they let me take home the uh, programming manual for one of the machines, and I just read it over the weekend, and the one guy showed me a couple of keystrokes to get where I needed to go, and I started popping away at, at programming things. And the first thing I actually programmed was a Guitar Body. Okay. That was the very first actual program program that I had made by myself in this place. Um, so, so to tie in with the you know, tie in with the music background, the first, yeah, well, you know, the first you, thing you, I program is a guitar body. You can program anything you want. Yeah, that, that's and that's what you do, I'm right? You go to what body. you love and what you want to do, and and that and it comes out. So that's great. And then um, then what he wound up, and then I was there again. I was there for four and a half years, almost five years. And what happened was the company that we bought all of our machines from exclusively had come out with this new piece of equipment that had an articulating five axis head on it. Mm-hmm. And I, had, I saw this thing. I said, I need this toy in my life. I have to play with this. I have to touch it. I need to do, I need to get into this. And about a year and a half before I left the company, he, uh, he comes in. He goes, I got you a Christmas gift. I go, what? Puts the paperwork down on the table in front of me. He bought one of these machines. <laughs> I said, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. So we get this machine. I learned everything about it. I was one of, when this machine came out, it's, it's, it's hard to explain to, uh, to anybody that's not in the industry, but when this machine first came out, everybody was terrified of it. They didn't know anything about this style of machine, and it was so complex and so new that I was told by the, the people that work for the company that I was, one of the only peop- I was one of the only people in the entire northeast of this country that knew how to run this thing. One of the guys that worked for the company was an applications engineer for that company. And I said to him, I go, what is it you do? He goes, I just drive around, go to customers and 
show them how to run their machines. I go, that's what I want to do. I want to go around, I want to drive around to customers and I want to show them how to run their machines. That is my goal. That's where I want to be. So fast forward you know, a year and a half, I find out that, that there was an opening for a company. The headhunter wouldn't tell me where it was from. He calls me back and he goes, oh, have you ever heard of Morisiki? And I go, yeah, they were like one of the best machine tool companies in the world. They were a direct competitor of the, of the machines that we had purchased at the place I was at. Yeah, I've heard of them and, and yeah, I want to work there. <laughs> so I, I go for the interview and I, I, I put on my Sunday best and I go and I interviewed for them. And long story short, three months of uh, multiple interviews and, and tons of paperwork and I got my job. I've, uh, I've been with the company in total. I've been with the company 11 out of the last 16 years. I left for about five years in between. But okay. I was there for a handful, uh, four or five years, left for five years, and now I've been back for, I think I'm actually coming up to seven years back. Wow, there's a lot of, in there that we can kind of unpack in bits and pieces. You've mentioned, you know, a lot of things along the way, which is, which is great. And we can see the building blocks of, of what was there and what motivated you at the moment kind of launched you to your next spot. In the long term, obviously, it was staying kind of in that field and, and getting to be an application engineer. And that's showing people how to run their own manufacturing equipment. So we've kind of come full circle in this interview so far, but, you know, there's still a little bit to go. You know, those building blocks, so you, you mentioned Vika, you know, that's, I think, has morphed now into Skills USA. Those are career and technical student organizations that are built around leadership and projects and participating as teams, typically, or individuals and, and competitions and a lot of things that are offered there. So we see a lot of impact in there and, and huge opportunities for students to really come into their own, to shine, to find their, their leadership. It's a big deal, actually, when you go to those competitions and you win and you win first place and and so congratulations to you that's a that's a wonderful thing uh, and even to be involved and and it really does show other students that they can do it too and that often in and of itself is kind of a launching pad from there for you it was in your job and and talking to the co-op teacher and and maybe on to other bigger better things to prove to yourself that you can accomplish these goals and, and get recognized for it to, to move on to other things too. So there's a lot of stuff that came out of there. So you moved on from there. You got a manufacturing job in a, a tool shop. Maybe it wasn't everything that was cracked up to be a little little too dirty on the hands perhaps and some other things. But that's that's the great part because we – Learn not only is what we want to do, but here's that factor of what we don't want to do. Maybe it's in the same field. Maybe it's something a little different. Maybe it's not working on, you know, the standard lathe or whatever the case is. Maybe it's not being in that that old, dirty, hot, and sweaty atmosphere that, you know, we often think about that's related to kind of like the old style of manufacturing in a way. And there's still some shops out there like that. But a lot of it has turned into more modern manufacturing and tooling and, and things like that, of which you go around and show people how to work in today. So that's that's all good stuff too. Kind of interesting though that you, you took a little time to kind of meander around, maybe try some of the uh, adult post-secondary school you know opportunities that yeah, maybe this is what I'm looking for. Maybe this is what I can apply. Maybe that's a – because I think we all – hit that point here and there in, in our lives and our careers. And then we wonder what's next. What is it I really want to do? Maybe I have an idea of what I want to do, but how do I get there? 
And those are, are different opportunities too. Again, it's interesting that you come back to what you know, kind of like where you started. You talk to people you know that are in there now. Uh, it wasn't your your previous teacher. But here, here you had the wherewithal to come back and, and kind of come home and ask the right questions in a way. Not that there's always an answer, but again, by chance, there's that person who says, hey, try this. And, and maybe it's that one connection. Maybe it's that spark. Maybe it's the, you know what, somebody just turned this job down today so it could be yours tomorrow. You, know, you wonder what's fate and what's chance out there uh, and what happens. So you ended up there and had a, pr- a pretty good run. You learned a lot. You did a lot. You were you you taught things, and mostly by learning, by your your self motivation to do that. So to get to the next level, obviously you're applying many many things that that have gone on in your head in your life. You know, ever since you were young, and that you could see that you're a motivated person going to school, learning the auto body with your family, tinkering around with your own toys and and machines and. Uh, all kinds of equipment and engines and, and stuff like that. So it's all coming together here to to see where you are. Some of those off ramps that you know you said you were out of kind of like that career field for a little bit. You equate that kind of with the meandering around in a way that was previous to. Those are interesting in itself because those are learning points. So can you kind of give us an example of a couple of things that maybe even in a time you were out of that, you know, what, what kind of stuff did you get into and, and what did you learn from that? Well, like I said, when I, when I tried to get out of the industry, I, I just basically took a warehouse job and just tossed around spare ribs for a little while. But it did actually give me a little bit of uh, – it gave me experience on how to drive a forklift. So I was able to do that so I could go around to, to – companies and say, okay, well, you know, I can also drive a forklift if need be, you know, I could mm-hmm. always, I could do that. But as far as, as far as taking other avenues and whatnot, I mean, as, as you know, getting, getting back to, uh, when I got back into manufacturing, the first CNC machine program I wrote was a guitar body. And in 2008, I decided that I wanted to delve into something different. I wanted to Say I want to I want to spread my wings so to speak I want to I said okay I've been working with metal for you know at this point now I'm in I'm 14 years into cutting metal and I said you know how much how much harder or how hard can wood be you know wood is pretty easy I've cut two by fours with a handsaw I mean that's no big deal no prior woodworking experience but I uh, I did some research and went to Lowe's and bought some tools and put them in front of me and I said okay now what am I going to do with these and I uh, took on building guitars. So I started making my own guitar bodies, necks, uh, building the pickups from scratch as well. That led to me saying to myself, well, I have this whole little wood shop in my basement. I'm going to venture into something else. I want to, I, I want to, uh, I want to renovate my, my bathroom. I want to renovate my kitchen. So I at first, I started off by going to the big box stores and buying bathroom cabinet, put it in. Within a month, the cabinet falls apart. I put it back in the box. I bring it back to the store. I said, I don't want this anymore. This is junk. But then I say, wait, I have a whole wood shop in my basement. I'm going to build myself a bathroom cabinet. Went down into my basement, designed it all up, bought all the stuff I was going to need, built a bathroom cabinet. But now I need a medicine cabinet to go with it. My father had a friend that was giving away some old oak boards that he was just using for shelving. Took those downstairs, processed them up, made a medicine cabinet. Now I want to renovate my kitchen. I know how to build kitchen cabinets. 
because I can do a bathroom, I can do a kitchen. So now I'm in my basement. I built 13 cabinets, refrigerator surround, pantries, doors, put all those in. Now I need, or no, now, now I need to fix something on the back of my house. I can cut wood. I know how to work a two by four. I go and get some two by fours and two by sixes and build this little structure to mount up to the back of my house to help with water diversion. So I need a new set of stairs around the side of the house, take a sledgehammer, I bust up all the stairs around the side of the house, tear up all the sidewalks around it, put in all new concrete, build a little little deck on the side of the house. Now I need to replace a window. I go upstairs into my bedroom, I take the window out, I rebuild the entire window frame, put a new window in. And my father calls me. Um, such and such is selling her house. Do you wanna do you wanna think about buying it? I said, think about it. I already got it bought in my head. So I bought a house from an old family friend that we that we had known since 1985. And now I'm ripping apart and rebuilding an entire house by myself. It's all it's all just building blocks. Everything just leads to something, leads to something, leads to something. And sure, I regress from fine woodworking to carpentry if you want to get really <laughs> technical. It's it's not a you know, it's a, it's a more down and dirty method, but it's it's still the same it's still the same components. You're still taking a piece, cutting it to size, mount, putting it in place, and securing it properly. That's really what it boils down to. I, I overcame a lifelong fear of heights just to just to say and prove to myself that I could replace the, that I could replace the roof on this house. I said I am going to go up there. I'm going to replace this house. I bought a uh, roofing nailer for another project that I was doing. I was afraid to go up on a six-foot stepladder. Now I can walk around on top of a six-pitch roof with no problem. It's just one thing after another after another. But when I first got up there, believe me, I was terrified. I, I, I stood there. My whole body started shaking. I got back onto the ladder. I went down. I looked back up and said, boy, did I make a mistake. Same thing, though. Going back to when I went into... That one shop, I said, boy, did I make a mistake. You just have to find a way to point yourself in the right direction to persevere. You have to get through it. Because once you're, once you're in it, you have to either, you know, you have to find your way out. And quitting is not an option. I would, I never accept defeat. <laughs> hey, you've kind of proven that time and time again. You've come a long way. You've, you've had a lot of experience in your life, and, and you are uh, significantly, uh, I'm going to say younger than me. You're a young man. You've got a, a lot of mileage yet to go, and you've done some, some very significant things. I mean, you're, you're currently an application engineer. You are an advisory committee member, uh, a valued one for our pre-engineering manufacturing program. That we have here in our career and technical education districts. You're a musician. You've played. You've made your own guitars, basses. Uh, you've made them for other people. You've sold them. Uh, you've created uh, various things. You know, to the point where you know when, you, when somebody makes a guitar or swaps it out. We were talking about this earlier. Uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of musicians that that like to customize their own guitars and other pieces of musical equipment they have. You actually create it. You know, there, there, there's some things that, that people would never, ever even think of venturing to do uh, to even making your own pickups and electronics and some of these things. So I've witnessed that. If uh, anybody has the opportunity to see some of those, it's, it's really, really neat. You are a homeowner. You've done your own re renovations, and you're not afraid to get into that. You have your own show on YouTube right now that you're creating. T tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so I... Along with the guitar building and all of the woodworking stuff, I also said after 
the first couple guitars that I built, I was making them all by hand with hand tools, you know, templates, things like that. And I go, as much as I don't want to do it, I know it's inevitable that eventually I will need, want, or desire a CNC machine. About 10 years ago, I purchased a uh, build-it-yourself CNC machine kit, and I built a two-foot by four-foot router. So it's a quarter sheet of plywood uh, if you want to break it down. So it's two foot by four foot travel router that I can use to cut bodies and sh- and rough shape necks and things like that and do all the mundane things that I really don't like about guitar building because there's certain things that I just dread. But it takes a- it takes away some of the mundane drudgery of it, but it leaves enough meat on the material that you still have to final hand shape everything and make sure that it's it's done just right because a machine will only do what you tell the machine to do you have Mm. to still have that that fine hand crafted kind of feel to everything so whenever whenever i sell a, a guitar locally one of my main things is that the person that's buying it comes in while i'm shaping their neck and I will put it in their hands and say, how does this feel? And then they'll go back and forth and they'll say, okay, take a little bit off of here, take a little bit off of here and, and just do, you know, widen this or whatever. So um, that, that's, that, that interpersonal thing is very important as far as that is concerned. But um, getting back to it, I first built my router. I used it a handful of times and then it sat for a number of years. I fired it up once in a while just to tinker around with certain things and, and stuff like that. But then I, uh, so then, then now that we're into this, uh, COVID thing, fast forward 10 years, I said, you know what, that, that machine's just been clunking around for the last decade. I've used it, you know, four or five times since then. I, uh, started diving into rebuilding all of the electrical circuitry on that machine and I and up until April I didn't know the difference between you know a relay and a uh, and an optocoupler I had no idea I started off with uh, purchasing a couple of uh, accessories for my machine that I'm used to using in industrial applications which are uh, workpiece measurement probes and tool measurement probes so I install the tool measurement probe on my machine I get it all wired up. By chance, it happened to work. I was like, oh, this is cool. So then I go and I buy this other probe and I try to wire it up and now it's not working. And I said, well, why isn't this working? It was working before. And I go, wait, hold on. When I unplug this thing, it breaks the connection. When I plug it back in, it works. So there's got to be a way to get around that. How do I get around that? And I said, well, guitar background, putting together electronics for guitars. I said, wait, toggle switch. So I hooked this thing up to a toggle switch. So now I can toggle switch between the probe for the spindle and the probe for the tools. But if I forget to switch it back and forth, it'll crash my probe into my piece. And I did that the first day I had my brand new <laughs> little tool probe. And so, boy. So I go, there's got to be a different way. So I go, wait, my CNC control board has digital inputs and outputs that I really had no idea what they would do. I said, but there's got to be a way that I can send outputs to something to switch between the two systems. I said, wait, relays. So now I, now I do all my research. I figure out how relays work. I had no idea. I just, I had seen, you know, you see relays in cars. You, you hear, oh, they're relays. You have to replace a relay. Relay's bad. But what does it really do? You have to, it, you have to understand what a relay actually does in order to appreciate what a relay does. 
So now I'm learning about inputs, outputs, relay circuitry, and I get the relay to actually do what I needed it to do was to switch between the two switches and have the software know when to utilize one or the other. Fast forwarding from that, I started learning about PLC ladder logic, which in a lot of ways eliminates the need for mechanical relay circuitry. Again, didn't know anything about it, but the, the software system that I use now has its own PLC ladder that you can program and customize. And I had known enough about it just from troubleshooting circuits from work and, st- and things like that to know enough to start drawing up what I thought was going to work. And then through some trial and error, I uh, figured out how to make a, an internal latching PLC relay circuit to eliminate the relay that I had used prior. So as I started learning the stuff about the PLC ladder logic, to get it really ingrained into my head, I started a YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is called The Feral Engineer, only because I, I'm an application engineer and I'm the uh, I'm I'm like the feral cat of the family. I'm the the wild child. Ever since I started working for the company, I, they've always they've always kind of given me that side eye look because it's like I do things that are a little unorthodox and they're they de- they're they're deemed effective. They work. Yep. So that's that. They say, you know what? We don't really like how you do things, but we like that you get them done. Being that I have a, uh, you know, a 16-year background of training people on how to do things, I've kind of learned how to uh, pace myself through the steps of how to, how, to get the, you know, how to get from point A to point B. So I started this YouTube channel making videos to show people how to use the software system for the, you know, the motion controller for the... Uh, machine, as well as the inner workings of the PLC ladder logic that drives all of the circuitry for this motion control system to actually do what you want it to do. You can customize it to the nth degree as long as you know what to do and how to do it. So I started this YouTube channel putting up a video on, okay, here's a basic, here's a basic circuit that I figured out five minutes ago, and I'm going to show you now how to do it. So I made my first video, I put it up, and I got a whole bunch of of positive responses. Oh, this is fantastic, this is great. And that inspired me to learn more about it and really dive in deep into the customizing of this software system, which is Linux CNC. It's it's an open source software that, that anybody who's interested in machinery building, motion control systems, and again, PLC ladder logic, you can download this program. It's a GNU uh, open source programming system. And you can delve into, you can actually build a little virtual machine and you can move the machine around. You can test out programs. You can run programs through it. I use it on the two machines that I now have. I I built a, uh, I built a little CNC mini mill, um, just about ready to finish up. But I find myself finding uh, new and different ways of changing the I.O. on it for different button configurations and things like that. So I'm, I'm still tinkering around, still trying to figure out how I want this thing to go. But the, um, the end result is that I went from barely knowing how to wire in a toggle switch back in April to now I'm wiring up full uh, 
full control panels for CNC machines utilizing servo drives, contactors, relays, line reactors, things like that that I had never really even heard about until just a few months ago. And now I'm making tutorial videos on how to do the stuff <laughs> that I just figured out how to do basically two weeks ago. Then you're, you're learning about it just in time to make the video and, and teach others. So sounds like a lot of teachers I know, but that, that's good. That's a, a natural instinct out there. My, uh, my favorite expression is if you can stay five minutes in front of somebody, you can teach them. And if you can't stand that, no, I'm sorry. I've got to move on. <laughs> that's good. I like that. So what I find pretty fascinating about this, there's, and, and this is more common, I think, than a lot of people believe, uh, when we talk about career paths, and there's, you know, some people out there go, well, you know, it starts with going to college and then you have to get your degree and then you move into a job and then you move up into whatever. And it's not always like that. And some of it, a lot of times, in fact, most times doesn't even include a college degree. And, and I wouldn't say either way, you know, I mean, I'm someone who has a couple of um, postgraduate degrees and I would never tell anyone not to go to college. But if that's not necessarily for your your career path, then it doesn't have to be. So that's fine. The other part of a career path is that people think, well, it's kind of like, you know, maybe I did a little more traditional where I started doing my career as a teacher. And then one day I made the decision to kind of go into administration and, and move up like that. Some people think, okay, you're going to do your job. You're going to become a foreman and a manager and then, you know, the boss and, and things like that, which is great if that's what your path really, you know, is or what you want it to be. And then there's a lot of other people, and, and I'll include you in this, where you have a very comprehensive career, and you're doing a lot of things that you love doing. You're constantly learning, you're constantly applying new things and doing all that, too. Uh, and, you know, it's not just that, hey, I got to, you know, start at step one and move to step 10 because that's the pathway to, you know, manager and supervisor and, and boss and all that, too. And you don't always have to be because you love what you're doing. And that's kind of the, the driving force for you. You're an, uh, an excellent application engineer and you're doing a ton of stuff. Uh, in the meantime, for you personally and professionally and, and kind of mixing and matching all of that, too. So is there anything that is ahead of you? Is there anything that stands out in your mind that you have yet to accomplish that you want to move into that, that is your next challenge? Or, you know, where do you see yourself 10, 15, 20 years from now? And, you know, is it, is it more of the same? Is it branching out? Is it moving into other areas? Is it making pizzas somewhere else? Now? I, who knows what? I actually made pizza last weekend. <laughs> I knew that was in there. I, was, I, I had to ask that. I do, uh, I do like to cook. I, 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 again, I, had, uh, I owned a restaurant with a friend of mine for three years. I didn't get a chance to get behind the stove even though I wanted to. He wouldn't let me. That was one of my, that was one of my little side paths that I wanted to do. I was still working full-time. My uh, role in that was more of the back-end kind of guy. I was, I, the, uh, the place we were renting was kind of run down. The, uh, the landlord didn't want to put any money into it. So anything that had to be repaired was basically falling on to us. Starting off, you know, fresh with a brand new restaurant, we bought all new equipment because all of the, uh, all of the menu items were based on paleo diet, gluten-free type fare. And we couldn't have any equipment that would uh, would come to us pre-contaminated with any kind of gluten for people with uh, gluten intolerance. So we bought all brand new equipment. We didn't really have two nickels to rub together, but we still had to renovate the space that we were using in order to go out to the general public. 
uh, it started off as a meal delivery service, and then it, it, it slowly evolved into us taking over the entire space. You know, we needed uh, overhead pendant lighting, and we needed major repairs, and we needed paint, and we needed a whole bunch of things. And I said, well, I could do all that, so just leave that to me. So I went to, I went to actually went to Home Depot, and I went to Home Goods, and I found these. If you go to Home Goods, you'll see these like metal baskets that they sell. And I said, boy, wouldn't that make a great lamp? I bought a bunch of these baskets, different shapes and sizes. I went to Home Depot. I bought a bunch of iron pipe and a bunch of brass fittings, some uh, electrical wire and and things like that. And I actually made all of the pendant lighting for the uh, for the establishment. I don't know if I don't think they'll pass UL listing, but they haven't burned <laughs> the place down yet. So I think I did something okay. I mean, is is that one of your passions that you would go back on, or or? Um, it's not something that I would, that I, I would go back to unless I were, unless if, if, I, if I were to, to open a little bagel shop or pizza place, then that would be okay. But, you know, high production type place slinging dishes out every five minutes, I, that, that's definitely not for me. Uh, I do like to cook though, but as far as future goes, I would, uh, I, I see myself continuing on with the, home renovations. Uh, I do enjoy, I really enjoy the uh, building aspect of the machinery now, because now that I've gotten into actually pulling machines apart and converting them from manual to CNC, that really intrigued me to a point where I've you know, found another little passion in that, hence the videos. Future prospects would be to help uh, hear with the conversion of one of the pieces of equipment that's on the floor from a, uh, a dying dog to a, a uh, freshly renovated retrofit piece of industrial mm-hmm. machinery with, uh, with the help of the students. Sure. Um, going back a couple of years when you and I first met, um, I had actually fallen victim to the stigma that the school system wasn't quite what it was when I was here, which... Because when I first when I first left, the first year that I was gone was when they had armed guards <laughs> roaming the hallways, and I'm like, boy, that that's not what I remember. That's not the school that I liked. You know, that's 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 not, that's not that's not the school that I loved when I graduated. You know, to speak to you about it and to find out that things are definitely not what they seem from the outside. And I'm I'm correcting people to this day, and they're still they, I still hear people say, oh, that place is this, that, and the other. And I said, no, it's not. Because when I first came here and set foot into Mr. Mercadante's uh, classroom and saw what he was doing, my eyes lit up that these students were, they were actually years ahead of me, even, even back two years ago, because they were already programming PLC ladder logic at 14, 15 years old. And... I knew enough to to troubleshoot a circuit, but I had no idea how to write something from scratch. And that was one of the things that really blew me away. I said, "You gotta, you you really have to take the ball and run with this. To you know, to, you got you got to let people know about this. This is a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic curriculum you've got going here. And being that it's right next to my old shop, Machine Tool Technology, the marriage of the two is almost it's almost poetic because." I started in machine tool technology making parts on machines that are running 
circuitry and logic that Mr. Mercadante's class is learning how to build and utilize. So it's now merging the two technologies together to a point where if uh, if this if this project takes off, you know Steve's uh, Steve's students will be involved heavily in developing the logic on the backside of it, helping with the retrofit of the electrical aspect of it. The uh, machine tool technology class will be involved in a lot of the retrofit parts that are going to be required, adapter plates and and things like that that are going to have to be manufactured custom for this to actually come into fruition. So there's a uh, there's a huge huge opportunity for that to take uh, take place between the two classes. That's wonderful. So that that's that's perfect. We have it documented now. We're going to hold you to it. Uh, so that's good. No, but we really appreciate it and and being a key person on our advisory committee, um, actually for two uh, programs that we have for the machine tool technology as well as the pre-engineering and manufacturing uh, technology class that, that, you know, having your perspective, having your interest, having your background is, is very, very valuable. But for you to even go the extra mile to, you know, I know you and I have had some communication back and forth and, and brainstorming in some ways to say, hey, what do you think about this? Would that work? And yeah, that's a great idea. What if we did that or or we could apply it? You came in actually earlier today to be a guest speaker in, in two of our classes in our music performance and technology as well as our pre-engineering and manufacturing technology class. And the students got a whole lot out of that, out of your stories and experience and the show and tell aspects of making you know your own guitar and basses and, and, and all the pieces that go into it. And it was really an eye-opening experience for all of us there and, and very much appreciated. So thank you again for doing that. Um, but that is kind of what we can possibly hope for. I mean, it's, just, it's reaching for the stars in, in some ways on our end to say that we, we want the advocates out there to promote career and technical education, to help our students, to give them opportunities. You had uh, some experience when you were a, a student that, you know, some people took you under their wing and, and helped you learned some things and then got you a job and, you know, or made connections and things like that. So it's, it's, it's all about the connections and, and moving on from one place to another. So that, that was really, really important. And you're giving back now and you're doing that and you're giving out to the world on your YouTube channel. You're helping those users out there. You're helping our students. You're showing that. Uh, and we really couldn't ask for more. So it's very, very much appreciated. Uh, and I hope you know that. And I know I look forward to a very good, connection uh, from all of us for years to come and helping our students and and giving them the experience and knowledge and and the opportunities out there. So that's what we're here for. That's what it's all about. And even this interview right now, doing the podcast, and I know some students, some other people in the career, maybe some people in manufacturing or whatever else, or have a passion in different things, or might be listening to this and, and understanding a little bit from your story and your drive and your motivation and your interest and all that too, and realize things about jobs, opportunities, and careers, and how do I get into this, or how do I move to that, or whatever, uh, is is they're going to glean from this interview, which is a lot. So thank you again. I really appreciate it. Uh, Phil, you did a, a wonderful interview. Appreciate all the stuff you do for us. Thanks for having me. That wraps up this episode of Between the Bullet Points. My name is Sean McDonald, and it's my hope that these career stories can enlighten and inspire people that may be contemplating career choices or changes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, 
please email us at betweenthebulletpoints at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of The Resume Project regarding careers, resumes, and what happens between the bullet points.